Hey, what's up? It's episode 114, pain points of wealth, and the financial system is coming to an end. Or maybe not, but we've seen some bank failures over the course of the last week. There's questions about systemic risk throughout the entire system. The Fed continues to be hawkish on interest rates. So the question is, is this the beginning of something bigger, a big economic downfall that we all need to be prepared for? Well, you're going to give you our thoughts on this today, exactly what we think is going to transpire, how to position your portfolio. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about the Secure Act 2.0. There's a lot of huge tax benefits that are available to you you don't know about that we're going to give you the rundown on today to make sure that you're on your path to financial independence. Check it out. We got a great show. Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys, just looking at my inbox over the weekend and then watching the news, you know, the news does a great job of blowing everything up. Every, you know, every one of my clients thinks that we're going into some kind of great depression with a run on all the banks or going in and taking all their money out. But, uh, you know, as we all know, the news always exaggerates. Yeah, they do. And I'm, I was kind of surprised over the weekend. I didn't see any pictures of uh, people in the Great Depression waiting in line to pull their money out of the bank, you know, you know, waiting in line to buy an apple. Um, that's probably coming soon, guys. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, right? I mean, it's just the the amount of sensationalism that's around what's happening over the course of the last couple of days is, is unbelievable. But I think you have to put it in perspective, right? Again, you know, this one specific bank, Silicon Valley, was catering towards startups, the tech community. And this is exactly the place that's getting hit the hardest with the fact that the Fed has, take the punch, has been taking the punch bowl away, right? There's less money around. They've been pulling their deposits out in droves because they're burning cash. But, you know, the real question here is this like the great financial crisis. And I would argue probably isn't. No, I would agree, Ryan. I mean, it's just, just a classic run on the bank. Um, hey, look, we've been talking to our clients about this for the last couple of months that, uh, you know, the bank is refusing to pay you a decent yield on your money. If we're able to get you five, they should be paying you five. Um, of course, you can't get five now. It's down to four and probably dropping more. But the idea is, you know, never have money in a bank that's not insured over 250000 number one. And number two, you know, you can move money around so easily and you can get a better return on your money. But, you know, inertia works for the banks. It doesn't work for you. Well, I guess until it doesn't for the banks because the deposits are leaving in droves. But, you know, I think the other, the other key point here is because something is broken now in the financial system, can the Fed finally back off on interest rates? And if that's the case, I'd argue that's a pretty optimistic uh, change of events uh, when looking at the economy and looking at how you position your portfolio moving forward. Well, you guys, you know, you think the market's volatile. You look at the futures market, how volatile that is. You know, this time last week, you only had, uh, you know, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell become very hawkish again. All of a sudden, 50 basis points is back on the table for next week. Um, then it's now 25 basis points based on, you know, what happened with uh, SVB. And now most of the uh, stratus are saying no increase for Fed funds next week. Yeah, he must be, uh, Jay Powell must be really into transfiguration. I can't sure if he's a hawk, if he's a dove. You know, he needs to make up his mind. You know, Chris, I mean, I'd hate to have him in a zoo. He'd have to change his cage every day. You know, what, what is he this week? Is he hawkish? Is he dovish? He changes. He well, changes. it also goes back to, too, I mean, the Fed is kind of a politicized role, right? And politically speaking, it's going to look very bad to keep up that hawkish stance in two weeks when we do have the next announcement on interest rate policy. And we know that, you know, Let's face it. He's a pivoter. You know, we've said this before. You know, Pal likes to placate, you know, whatever the zeitgeist of the time is. And I think this is going to play right into that because we have something broken now. 
And clearly, you know, you don't want to keep pushing those interest rates up and up and up to you actually derail the overall economy. I don't think that's the Fed's goal here. Well, I kind of agree with Ken Griffith. You know, the hedge fund manager was on Bloomberg last week and rambled on for a couple hours. And one of the things that he said, you know, and regarding the Federal Reserve, he said, I think they should shut their mouth for a while. He said, I don't think we need to know every day what they're thinking or the, not just, you know, the Federal Reserve chairman, but all the former governors and the current governors. I mean, you know, they're all having their 15 minutes of fame. Hey, it's over. You know, be quiet. We don't need to hear from you anymore. And there's nothing more boring than a Fed official talking on TV. But I digress. <laughs> well, if you ever need help sleeping at night, just turn that channel on. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting things and one of the other problems that this rise in rates has caused, short-term rates, is that, you know, a lot of our clients are saying, hey, I could get a treasury yielding 5%. You know, why don't we just invest our money in that? And, you know, the big issue there is that well, what happens in a year if rates have gone down, they need to reinvest that money. Yeah, I think um, I think that's the key, right? You know, the whole idea of of markets and, and investing properly is to have a diversified asset allocation. So, you know, to jump from one asset class to another makes no sense. It doesn't. And I mean, if we clear away all the noise right now, right? Okay, so presumably if Bob's right, which sometimes he is, you know, interest rates should start to come down. They're starting to come down. The long end of the curve has come down. Right. We know employment's continuing to stay strong here. Um, and, you know, wage growth has cooled off a little bit, too. So inflation's coming down. Interest rates are cooling off. Job market's hot. And meanwhile, you've got companies are going to buy back something like over nine hundred billion, close to a trillion dollars in stock this year. Valuations are reasonable. This is a very good time to be an investor. You know, ignore the noise. Um, you don't want to just put your head in the sand or park your money in short-term treasuries and CDs. You've got a great opportunity to invest for the long term. Well, it's the old adage, be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when other people are fearful. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I think that's good news, guys, because when you look at the bond market, my belief is, and, and we've been saying this for a while, that the 10-year treasury peaked at four and a quarter uh, back in October. All right, It hasn't been there since. And you know, when you look at earnings, when you look at the valuation, rather, of stocks. There's two things to consider. There's earnings and there's interest rates. So if interest rates are coming down and we're going to have a soft landing or no landing in the economy, you know, you're going to have good earnings. So that makes stocks, while they're down right now, a really good opportunity to buy. To put it into simplistic terms here, I mean, we've created 800,000 jobs this year already. Uh, we saw a surge in spending last month. These are not the signs that we're going into some deep recession. And, and Bob, you know, you and I can attest, we started our firm during the great financial crisis, man, it was dire out there. People weren't spending money. People were losing jobs like left and right. It's just like a whole different environment. And I think you have to start looking at it and look ahead here. And the reality is probably most likely this economy is just not falling off a cliff like a lot of the people in the media are telling you. Well, you know, I've, as we've said frequently, guys, thank God Jerome Powell watches us every week um, because, you know, I want to clue him in on something. You know, he scratches his head. Why are there so many jobs being created, right? 311,000 last week, 511,000 a month before. Why are there so many jobs? Well, I can tell him it's because of the baby boomers here in Florida. You know, nobody makes dinner. Everybody goes out to dinner. We're all getting older, right? We're clearly, you know, using health care more, more often. We need more health care workers. We need more waiters. We need more cooks. I'm telling you. And, and people don't even go to stores anymore. We sit there in our computer and we order. So we need more warehousing employees. You know, it's all the baby boomers, guys. It's my generation. We're causing this problem. It's your own pal. You're not going to fix it. Go, you move along, buddy. Move along. Nothing to see here. Well, you know, if you watch the news, you'd think that the uh, the labor market's soft with, you know, all the big tech companies doing the big layoffs. But, you know, I talk to my clients and they're all looking for people. I mean, finding people is still 
very, very difficult. Yeah, well, it's an important point because, right, even this run on the bank, it's all around startups, tech, and that's one component to the economy. It's not the overall economy. And I would say tech isn't a rolling recession right now. But if you look at the overall economy, it's still relatively strong. And again, we talked about this week after week, but the reopening of China, right? I mean, now look at Europe, look at Japan. They're all benefiting from the fact that the second largest economy in the world is finally reopened. Stocks globally are cheap right now. Uh, even the recessionary fears globally have gone down significantly uh, since last year. So there's a lot of surprises that could happen in the positive here. And I think, you know, what you're seeing right now, even with the, this big run on the banks, is hopefully this is the beginning of the end for the Fed uh, with their, their tightening policy. And if that's the case, I would view that as a, as a very, very optimistic situation. Well, I have to agree, Ry. You know, as markets get become more volatile because of the uncertainty and prices go down, here's why investing is so counterintuitive. The more stocks go down, the better the price the higher the expected return, right? So, you know, you have to take advantage of this volatility. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Stick to your asset allocation. Buy low. You won't regret it. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 114, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. Bob and Chris and I now have been doing this for a collective 75 years. But if you're thinking to yourself, like, I'd like a more hands-on approach, I want to know what I'm doing with my money right now. If you've saved over a million dollars, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you our total financial master plan. It's our famous plan, and we'll do it with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to hone in on every financial issue you have today, where there's an income plan for retirement, taking Social Security, drawing from your portfolio, factoring in inflation, your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. You've got to figure that out. We're going to look at diversification. Is your portfolio getting hammered here as markets have been extremely volatile or have you been seeing with way too much money in cash paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but protect it over the rest of your life. And we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high cost products and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structure products. We're going to go do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. So if you've saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, at the end of the year, uh, unbeknownst to us, so they kind of just slipped it in there, they had the SECURE Act 2.0 was passed in Congress, and there's a lot of great tax benefits within this new act uh, that everyone should know about when really trying to be on their path to financial independence. So I thought that's what we could talk about today. Well, you know what? I really like the first one, and that's the fact that they raised the gift tax exclusion from 15000 to 17000 Dad, are you listening? That means that you can gift Ryan, you and mom can gift Ryan and I both $17,000 a piece every year. Now, I think that sounds great because I know how much you're trying to get money out of your state. Yeah, I know. That's why uh, all the checks that are written go to somebody with their name spelled L-I-A-M. <laughs> We better start having grandkids soon, or my sister Allison is going to get everything. Yes. Um, so <laughs> word to the wise there. Yeah, so we have, more, you know, gifting obviously is, is increased this year. You can do more on the gifting side, especially if you're trying to get money out of your estate. 
but also just the limits on all your contributions, whether it's a 401k, IRA, Roth IRA, they've all gone up this year. Yeah, it's the biggest adjustment in 20 years, guys. I mean, it's huge. You know, somebody my age who can do a catch up can put in as much as 30,000 a year, uh, you know, into their 401k or 403b or their Roth, um, you know, 401k or 403b. And, you know, some of you may be retired and you're not working. You're not thinking about, you know, big deal. Like, I don't contribute anymore. What do I care? Well, you have children, you have grandchildren. And that's where that gifting comes in. You know, both you and your spouse can give 34000 per child, per grandchild. And some of them may be just starting their careers and can't contribute the max into their 401k. Here's a way to help them, you know, give them that gift and make sure they put it there. Um, that's the gift that keeps on giving, especially a Roth 401k. You know, another great advantage is that every year, especially if you're at that RMD age, the required minimum distribution age, you can donate up to 100000 of that required minimum distribution directly to a charity and not pay taxes on that money. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge uh, addition because that was something that was just put in temporarily a couple of years ago. It's been renewed every year. I'm glad to see it continue to be renewed um, because it, it benefits a lot of folks, right? First of all, you don't have to pay any income tax on your required minimum distribution on that 100000 so it saves you and your family. And then the charities benefit, you know, by receiving that gift every year. So I, I think it's a, it's a great addition, you know, to the tax code. Hope they maintain it. I hope it becomes permanent. Well, another big one, too, when it comes to your IRAs is the government forces you to take money out of your retirement accounts. Well, it used to be 70 and a half, went to 72, now it's 73. And this is huge because most of you, your retirement accounts become ticking tax time bombs because you probably put a ton of money into these retirement accounts because there's great tax benefits, but you got to pay when the money comes out. What I really like about this, though, it gives you a lot of years to take money out before then and convert it right to a Roth IRA where it's tax-free. And let's face it, marginal tax brackets right now are still historically low. So you can do a lot of planning, a lot more planning around your retirement accounts than you could before, and you have a much bigger window to make decisions about it. So when you turn 73, it's not a shocker, and all of a sudden you're paying huge tax. So definitely work with your advisor, work with a CPA on this, but there's a lot of things you can do with retirement account withdrawal planning that most of you aren't doing. Well, you know, guys, it still blows my mind that there are individuals out there who don't save anything. They don't make any contributions. Um, Chris and I run a, a very large 401k plan for one of our larger clients. And we actually had someone call up and complain about the profit sharing contribution. <laughs> they didn't want it. They wanted to know what we could do to reverse it. They want to know there's strings attached. I mean, Chris, that was the most bizarre conversation I've ever had in my life. You know what? If, if you guys hear about anybody wanting to give money back, just give them my address because I'll be happy. I'll happily be the beneficiary of that. Well, Chris has a he has a very expensive sailing habit, so he can use any any all the cash he can get. Um, <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Chris, yeah, we should mention on the podcast. Um, you just got a like very highly placed in a, in a, in a huge sailing competition. How far did you sail? Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. We sailed a beach catamaran 300 miles from Tampa Bay down to Key Largo. And uh, I would like to give a shout out to our friends and clients, Carly and Leslie. They were very gracious enough uh, when they were down in Key Largo to meet us on their powerboat. So got some great footage from that. So thanks guys. <laughs> There's a message in there somewhere, Chris, you know, powerboat versus sailboat. <laughs> I bet you could have done that much quicker. You know, Dad, I try to think about the uh, the environment and the environment we're leaving behind for our uh, our your grandson and my nephew. So <laughs> that's why you're wearing green today. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad you survived your trip, Chris, because we we definitely need the hands on deck. No pun intended here. Paint capital management. Right. <laughs> hey, 
Um, you know, another another big uh, tax law change, which is a really big benefit, is 529 plans, right? You fund those for college, and a lot of times there's money left over. And one of the only ways, one of the ways to really get that money out is you have to pay tax penalties on it if you want to take it back. Now you can take up to 35000 and you can roll it into a Roth for the beneficiary. So if you have it for your, your kids or grandkids, some of that money can go into a Roth IRA, which grows tax-free for them. They can take it out tax-free later over their lifetime, which is just like a phenomenal opportunity. And it's a great way to utilize any leftover money in those 529 plans. And that's a brand new rule. Well, you know, we all know, guys, that the uh, secret to wealth creation is compounding of your money. And the more money you have by paying less taxes, the better off you are. So, you know, it's amazing how they sneak these new changes in. They didn't give a lot of fanfare to it. You want to make sure you're aware, but you got to take advantage of every single opportunity because they're going to find a way down the road to take it from you. Hey, money saved in taxes is money that you can spend on boating equipment, Chris told me. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, recharter the firm as an endowment, like like an Ivy League school has, where they don't pay any taxes, or a church. I like no, Bob's no. Church of Finance. That's got a really nice, classy ring to it. You like that? The Church yeah. of Bob? Church of Bob. Or maybe. Yeah. Maybe we just put on Bob in some robes, and he just starts talking more philosophical about investing, and we can literally become our own religion. I think that's a great plan. We already have Bob coin. Well, we already have disciples, so we <laughs> might as well uh, you know, get a steeple put on our building, right? <laughs> I think we're wrong with something here. And then we need shell accounts. But okay, never mind. I digress. <laughs> Let's not go into that. All right, Chris. In August of 1994, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway completed its seven-year purchase of 400 million shares of Coca-Cola that they still own today. The total cost was $1.3 billion. The cash dividend that Coke received back in 1994 was $75 million a year. By the end of last year, that same dividend is now $704 million a year. Again, compounding is clearly king or queen. Well, it just goes back to that example of the S&P 500. Their, their dividend yield on their cost basis is over 54% a year. And I don't know what kind of investment you can put money into that gives that kind of dividend. But I think, uh, keep in mind, stay invested for the long haul. And as Warren Buffett says, my favorite holding period is forever. Yeah, you know, guys, you go up and you look at Coke stock right now, and it's yielding 3%. Where you know Warren's holdings are yielding fifty four percent, right? It's a uh, you know rewards go to the patient investor, not the inpatient investor. That's right. And guess what? If you buy a treasury paying three point six percent today in ten years, guess what's going to yield three point six percent. So <laughs> stocks over bonds for the long term. All right, guys, great show today. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please subscribe. If it's on Spotify, you can subscribe to our channel. If this is on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. Please leave us some comments. Let us know what you think, what you want to talk about. Go to bebullish.com slash questions. If this is on YouTube right now, you can like this episode. You can subscribe to our channel. Click that notification bell to be updated every week of our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. 